0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's only the first week of June, but it's back to work and school for the Michigan football team. This week's self-directed workouts and weight training get underway, and summer classes will be in session The angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelers from the Detroit News, joins me in just a minute on our game day segment. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Michigan quarterback target Tyler Shug has moved on to the finals of the Elite 11 competition, while commit Joe Milton failed to make the cut as one of the top signal callers in the competition. The finals will be held in Beaverton, Oregon from June 28th to July 3rd. Michigan will wear alternate uniforms for at least one game this season, just which game has not been decided. It appears Nike will make that announcement in the coming weeks. Jim Harbaugh was part of the team that designed the uniforms. Wide receiver Grant Perry is back with the team. Perry's legal case, the initial reason for the suspension, remains unresolved. He has a jury trial scheduled for July 17th. With summer almost here, for most of us, it's time to kick back and enjoy the nice weather. But also start thinking about the start of training camp in late July and the start of the season. Preseason magazines are hitting the shelf, and the hype will grow week by week for the coming season. Angelique Shengelis joins us on the game day segment next to talk about Michigan softball, Rome, and share some of her thoughts on the coming season. Here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the VSporto Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & Brew. With us on our game day segment this weekend, it's been a while. I think uh, the uh, bowl preview was the last time we talked to Michigan beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News, but it's fun to talk to you anytime, Angelique.
1: Ciao, Mike. Hi, I'm still speaking my Italian.
0: (laughs) Yes, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, Usually, as I said, when we have Angelique on the phone, we are previewing a game or uh, talking about spring practice. But here we are. It's really early June. So we'll talk some football and, of course, about the Rome trip. But uh, I just wanted to back up a bit here on the spring schedule, Angelique, and talk about softball. Something I know you follow Mm -hmm. Michigan softball and cover Michigan softball. What another good year it was for Coach Carol Hutchins and this very young team.
1: It was. It, it really was. And, you know, you think about the fact they lost a lot from last year's team. And, and Hutch doesn't like to even focus on that. You know, talk about Sierra Romero and Sierra Lawrence and that really terrific senior class. And, you know, she's like, hey, we won a championship, We won a national championship without them. We've been to the uh, World Series without them. And, and I think that that was what she was trying to tell this team. To have to propel them into the season, and I think it helped. I mean, they pushed a lot of really good teams, and they just couldn't obviously get over that let little hump toward the end. And the Big Ten tournament was was a great disappointment for for Hutch. I mean, she with Michigan hosting the tournament, I, I think that was really that one really hurt. And and obviously the uh, the early exit from the NCAA tournament, but. I think that they have really high hopes going forward, Mike. This sophomore class, this year's sophomore class, is very talented and very deep. And uh, they're going to add some pitching. And, and I think it's, it's good news going forward. But um, tough season, but you're right. I mean, not a disappointment, just a tough season.
0: Well, you're right, Angelique. The good news is this was a very young team. I think there were three, four seniors on this year's team. Right, uh, four so, seniors. Yeah, just about everyone back. Of course, uh, All-American pitcher Megan Betza will be tough to replace. But Tara Blanco, a pretty darn good pitcher herself, is coming back. Softball fans don't follow recruiting like they do uh, for football, basketball, and hockey. But there is another Megan coming into the pitching staff next year, Megan Bobian, from uh, Monroe-St. Mary's Catholic Central. And I have to give her props because she's from my little grade school, St. Charles, down in Newport, Michigan. And... (laughs) She was offered by Carol Hutchins when she was an eighth grader at St. Charles in Newport. (laughs) And she is. Can you uh, imagine? (laughs) I know. Well, that's when Carol offered uh, Sierra Romero. She was also in the eighth grade when she got her offer. But this young lady uh, that's coming in, Megan Bobian, which I think everyone, including Carol, assumes she's going to jump right into that rotation next year. She uh, last year during the Michigan high school uh, uh, state tournament set all kinds of records. Uh, in the last two games, the semifinals, the state championship game, she pitched no hitters. So we expect her to step in. Of course, as we just mentioned, Megan Betza was such a great pitcher in her four years uh, here, but the beat just goes on.
1: It does, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, you know, you talk about just reloading. It's not rebuilding. It really isn't for the, Mi- the Michigan softball program. It, it is just reloading. And yes, I mean, down year this year, lots of disappointment, but, um, but it's amazing all the stats, you know. <laughs> that was very impressive. I I just think going forward this team's going to be really good. And they're going to be very I know it's cliché but they're going to be very hungry and um I I was just so impressed with the sophomores and talking to them before the uh the NCAA tournament and how poised they are and and how talented they are and um you know I think that they probably took a lot from this experience and from the disappointment that they experienced for their seniors felt like they let them down and uh you know for Hutch it, it's this doesn't happen very often so um you know she needs to regroup too and she will and you know, she it's it's interesting to watch her coach because she she has very she has very unique views on 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 how to deal with the parents and and you know once that these these kids get to michigan they're hers and she tries to to explain that to the parents like okay you need to step aside now and, mm-hmm. and she understands this is a different this is a different generation of 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 young women coming into the program. I mean, she reads different books and, and understands that how, to, how to not deal with them, but how to um, communicate with them. And she stays fresh on all that stuff. And I really respect that because I, I think that's very important to understand is that, you know, these aren't the same kind of kids coming in that were there 10, 12 years ago. It's just a different generation. I mean, we, we can sit there and talk about cell phones and all that stuff, but that has changed them. And uh, but she stays really current, and and you know she's she's got the benefit of having a very consistent staff as well, and that really that really helps her out a lot, and and helps this program maintain its uh, its consistency and being a top twenty five, top ten program, and and that's what it will be going forward.
0: Oh, I think it's going to bounce right back next year. There's no I question about yep. it. And you just mentioned uh, all of the changes she's facing as a coach uh, right now. She's uh-huh. been around so long. She's seen so much in her days and has had to adjust the way she recruits, the way she coaches, and yeah, dealing with parents and players now, whole different ballgame. Uh-huh. She still, to me, she and her staff, they still just do not. And I, I know we've talked about this before and I say it all the time. I don't think she gets enough credit for how excellent she has been and the elite program. It's one thing getting your program to elite status, uh-huh. but, but maintaining that is a whole nother story
1: especially as a Northern school. I mean, that is a big deal in softball and, and baseball. I mean, it's it's a big, you look at the uh, the tournament teams. I mean, there aren't that many from this part of the world in the NCAA tournament. They're all SEC team. I mean, look, at all those SEC, SEC teams that got in there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's just impressive from that standpoint, too, geography and how she's able to go into California and snag really great players and uh, Michigan has an unbelievable reputation in the softball world and and it's because of Carol Hutchins and the success that she's had but also I mean it's when you talk to her players from from the past I mean there's and you know I've I've told you this I've covered I covered Pat Summit at Tennessee and mm-hmm. it was the same thing it was all this tough love that yeah there were times that Pat was so hard on them and same with Hutch but they all just adore her and what what she taught them and um, she's really produced some really very excellent women from this program. Have gone on to do really really good things, and I think that's equally as important to her, and maybe more important than, than uh, you know they got to win this, they got to do this. She she really wants to make winning women. And um, talking to Kim Barnes arico the, the Michigan mat- basketball coach, I mean she said she's uh, she's learned so much from Hutch, just in terms of of how to deal with players and and how to shape a coaching staff and. Uh, how important it is for, for the women's women's athletics to have really strong women coaching them and uh, strong in character, not only in X's and O's. And I, I think her influence is, is really, uh, it's unbelievable. And, and, you know, I think the men's coaches respect her too. It's not just, though, you know, the couple of women's coaches, I, I think she's well-respected. And, and like you said, Mike, I mean, you see it, and and I think uh, I only, I know Lloyd Carr Car always saw it. I mean, he was a very big fan of of Hutch and and her program and and how she led, and and uh, I, I'm sure Harbaugh respects it too because she's she's in that mold. I mean, she's in that that Bo mode. She's tough, but she wants uh, it's she wants to produce really really strong
0: women too. And she does such a wonderful job of it. So we are in good hands with uh, Carol back next year, and it's going to be an exciting uh, season again next year. But I just wanted to talk a little Michigan softball before we got to the main course is always football. And talking about football, you know, a lot of the national outlets, local fans that email me still want to talk about Italy. So uh, <laughs> it's it's still something that impressed so many people, Angelique, and, and even critics. Uh, had to agree when that was over that trip was about so much more than football wasn't it
1: uh, for me it was about gelato <laughs> I <saw> uh, that. <laughs> but <laughs> but no it really was i mean i i think about it now and i'm like wow i mean what an incredible it was an incredible experience for me to cover it it was um i mean i joke about the gelato but it was a lot of work they were all over the place and and getting around Italy was tough. And, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, for four straight days, I did not have a proper meal. I just didn't have time. And so I ate gelato. And but that aside, it was really interesting to you to interact with the players. They were so enthralled by the experience. And I think that they they appreciated it so much. I and mean, you can see some of the tweets, even after some of these guys came back from their study abroad programs. And you know, they, they were a lot of these guys went for three weeks and and went to different countries and and studied with students from the University of Michigan who weren't football players; they were students. And and I think that's really, to me, that was my big takeaway: is is Harbaugh wants to wanted to give these players a chance to be quote unquote normal students. And normal students go abroad. A lot of them do take internships opportunities. They. They aren't at just in Ann Arbor lifting weights and conditioning. They are conditioning their minds and, and becoming more worldly. And, and to me, that was the takeaway, is these young men got a chance to see the world and, and do it with their, their teammates. And to see some of the um, the photos, and I've talked to a couple of the guys since they've gotten back. I mean, it was it, it was an unbelievable experience for them. And uh, But being in Rome was, you know, Harbaugh was, I the fact that we all spent money to go cover this event and he was very accessible and he was, uh, he was very entertaining. I know you saw a lot of the videos mm-hmm. that, that I posted, <laughs> but it was, it was just a win-win. I, I don't know how you'd find anything wrong with it. I think people misunderstood. I got a lot of tweets from people saying, Oh, yeah, taxpayer money. No, it wasn't. It was a donor. And I, I imagine Michigan had to kick in some funds here and there to make, to, uh, for, for some of the things that, that they didn't expect, but I, it was, I mean, it was a really important event for these these guys and they appreciated it. No one took it for granted and um, and everything was optional. I, I know that there was some criticism of, of how about taking the team to the Vatican. It's, it's, you know, people don't want to be associated a uh, university with a religion and, and that was optional and, you know, if you didn't want to go, you'd have to go. And I'm not Catholic. I thought that was one of the most remarkable things I've seen. And being on top of St. Peter's and seeing the Pope was was incredible. So I, I'm I'm grateful that the Detroit News sent me, and, and so I thought that it was important. And, uh, and in the end, I just think the players really, really benefited and will continue to benefit from these kind of trips.
0: As you said, a lot of the things were optional. And aside from football, that trip to the Vatican— uh, one of the lasting, I think, memories for me, uh, seeing pictures of and video of, uh, were Jim Harbaugh and Sarah Harbaugh meeting the Pope. And, of course, he had his uh-huh. that big smile on his face, uh, giving the Holy Father his helmet and his shoes, his Nike <laughs> shoes. Uh, and then yeah. Jim, Jim's uh, son, John Paul, baptized uh, in Rome. His daughter received her first Holy Communion in Rome. So for Jim Harbaugh, this was also a very spiritual uh, experience,
1: wasn't it? Oh, it was. And and I, I went to the, uh, the baptism and I was walking up from my hotel and, um, uh, it was, and I had passed this entrance every day. I didn't know this is where the church was, but it had the, uh, the, the Swiss army, um, uh, the Swiss guard, pardon mm-hmm. me, uh, guards right there in their colorful uniforms. And, and now this gate was open so I could go in there and, when I'm walking up the street though, the the whole Harbaugh family was coming off their bus and, and Harbaugh's carrying the baby. And all of a sudden I hear this group of women swooning. Oh, you know, just all these Italian women, older ladies just going nuts seeing this man. They didn't know Jim. I guarantee you, they didn't know who Jim Harbaugh was. And, but he's holding a baby and they were just going nuts. So that was kind of a neat scene. And, um, and it was really, it was, you know, the whole family looked like they just, they, this was probably, what does he always say, a plus, plus, plus moment. Mm-hmm. It was that for that family. And, and you know, they, they really, it was a special day for them. And it was a special trip for the, the family, too. I mean, he, Jack Harbaugh was not going to go. And then in the end, he went. And, and there they were that first day when the team got there, at the Borghese Gardens and the refugees are there. And, and Harbaugh having a conversation with a couple of the men saying, why is it called football? when you don't play with your feet and you had to call in Jack to come in and explain it to them. <laughs> and that was, that was really fun to see in the interaction between father and son when they're on the the uh, nine hour tour, the winter walk around buying selfie sticks and Jack getting a better deal than Jim. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. So, I mean, it was, it was a bonding moment across the board, I think for teammates and, and for uh, for family, I and mean, all the coaches had their family there, and their wives and kids. So I mean, it was a neat, it was really a neat thing.
0: Only good came from this uh, on so many levels. So uh, all of the critics and the skeptics uh, when it was announced and then before the trip took place, I think were were silenced in so many ways by what actually transpired in Italy. So that's wonderful. But spring practice, of course, outside of the continental U.S. was a first for any college football team. Another first, I think, uh, Jim Harbaugh giving his, te- in, at least in this day and age, giving his team the entire month of May off and to be mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned a couple of moments ago, normal college students. An entire month off for a college football team or player just doesn't happen anymore, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. It's 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 a little scary when you think about it. Cause I, I remember the days when you know they didn't, they weren't there year round, and now it's it's such i mean I think we all know what college football is and and how much money it produces and how important it is for guys to be there training all the time, but it's also important to take a break and you know i i it's important to rest your mind i think from from whatever it is you're doing year round, and that's why people take vacations, and uh, you know I think that this this whole month and and giving them a chance to to be normal and to do things that other students get to do during their college experience, I, I think it's, it, you know, time will tell Mike, but I, I mean, I think it rested their, their minds in a way. I mean, it, it gave them some other outlets and I, I think it's important not to focus on football all the time and now they're back and now they are focused again on football. And I think it was refreshing and the three practices in Rome, I, you know, I know I remember uh, Jordan Glasgow said, you know, asking him what, it, what he thought his best moment was of the whole trip. And it was that last practice when they were, at the stadium by the Olympic uh, stadium with all the statues rimming the, uh, the, st- the marble stadium. And, you know, the, what a, it was an incredible setting and yeah, maybe, I don't know if they were, didn't look like they were as intensive practices that they probably had in Ann Arbor behind closed doors, but they looked like they were practicing pretty hard and looked like they were taking something from it. And uh and knowing that they were going to get a break. And I I think they they all really, really appreciated that. I really do. And I guess we'll see if it pays off. i got to believe it will.
0: With us here on our Game Day segment this week is Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. And as you mentioned, Angelique, uh, summer's over. Uh, The team is back. (laughs) Don't tell me that. (laughs) Well, for them. For us, it's not for them. It it, it pretty much is. Uh, They're back in town. Uh, I think this week is... uh, when the seven-on-seven seven drills are self-directed workouts begin, mm-hmm. and for many of them, summer class uh, very soon. So, um, I mean, they are back to work for two months before camp opens in late July, aren't they?
1: They are, and uh, went to the uh, satellite camp in Cleveland Friday night, and Harbaugh said that the freshmen are starting, will start trickling in once they're done with their graduations, and he said he said most of them are coming in like right away, but he said others are going to stay as long as they can with their families before they need to report. And he was okay with that too. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think that that they're going to have probably a pretty good number of them in Ann Arbor for that to to get ready and, and to have their off season workouts. And I think it's an, it's an important time for Wilton state and getting adjusted to the younger receivers, continue working on timing and, um, you know, he he described his outing at the spring game that everyone saw as you know not so great, and then he had not he didn't have a great day that last practice in 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 Rome. But um, you know, it is I think it's a lot about timing for him right now with these guys, and and that will that will start happening in the seven on seven drills, and um, you know it's it's going to be a younger team on so many levels, and uh, it's important now to to continue the bonding, but but now if you really start. Honing and um, and I think that's what they will do. And and uh, the good thing is that there's not that many satellite oh campaigns this here.
0: Well, it seems like Jim's uh, getting in as many as he can. Though they're gonna he pretty... is getting back to the Wilton Spate thing you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You're right. We saw snapshots of Wilton uh, in the spring game and then in Rome. And of course, the fans jump all over what they've they've heard or what they think happened in spring, mm-hmm. knowing that most of what happened in spring practice was unseen by media and fans so we're not really sure how that whole competition for quarterback played out behind closed doors we do know that Jim says his system is a meritocracy best players play so are you still thinking heading into summer Wilton's the guy or could possibly be a competition right up until you know the week or so before the game to who's going to take that first snap
1: I think Wilton's the guy Mike I mean I think it's it's hard to um I mean I think you you have to value that year of experience he had, and I think Brandon Peters is is extremely talented, and John O'Korn looked good in practices that that we got to see in in Italy and, and the spring game. But um, Peters is definitely a talent. I mean, he's he's so athletic, and he just looked so smooth in in the footwork drills and you know, that that we saw in Rome. But I mean, wilton wilton has got a very good head on his shoulders, and he's a very smart guy. And um, I you know I think he he relishes being a leader. And and I think that's an area where that Brandon has to work on more. I mean I know Harbaugh joked about him being louder. He he isn't loud. I mean he's not well he's not a loud guy. So I always you know, I think your quarterback needs to be able to be loud and communicate and, and that's where I think he really needs to work on. But um no, I, I, I mean I think there will be I think that they will push him, definitely push Wilton. But I, I can't see Wilton not being the uh that sounds like a double double negative. But I can't see Wilton not winning this job. Uh, going into the Florida game in uh, in Texas, and I, I suspect he's going to hold on to this job. I mean, he has a year of experience. He uh, he was a large part of the reason why they won ten games. And I know people will say, "Oh, but the Austin game." Well, he played hurt. You know, he, he played hard, hurt the last uh, that last game, and um, you know, and they still played pretty well. So uh, I think it'd be hard to to. Um, to take that job away from him.
0: No, I absolutely agree with you. He uh, seems to be a leader. I know I've heard from several people that say they would not be surprised if Wilton is elected by his teammates mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. one of the captains.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, I think you got to look at it as, wow, they're going to have really a couple pretty good backups. I mm-hmm. mean, I think last year, we didn't know that much about John O'Korn. I think everybody was expecting him to be really good because he was starter at Houston and and he he didn't have a great outing against Indiana, and I'm not saying John O'Korn is not a good backup. I, I just you know when he had his chance, it was tough, and I think that now they they probably feel more comfortable with Peters and and with O'Corn and um and you know you're right about Wilton. He's he, he he really has had some hard knocks. I mean everybody saw the HBO thing, and he brings that up all the time when Harbaugh's yelling at him, and um you know I I think he's really learned from that, and and you know in Rome he was a guy who stuck out to me because he really made the most of every experience on that trip. I mean, from day one with the refugees, he was the one who was really interacting with these people and, and these men showing them how to throw football and how to, how to play football. And, and he really, every day he mm-hmm. soaked it in. And, and I think that was important. It was an important thing for Wilton with his teammates because he was soaking it in with all his teammates. I mean, he was with, Everybody. You know, he was with defensive players. He was with offensive players. He, he was all over the place. And I think that's important for a locker room. And when your leader is, is capable of, of blending, you know, with any group. And, and I, I saw Wilton do that. And, you know, obviously I wasn't with him all the time, but that was my observation at the different, um, the different outings. And I can't say what he did at paintball. I didn't watch him carefully in paintball. because his <laughs> team got eliminated early. But, um, you know, I, I, I talked to Shane Morris a couple of weeks ago when he's up at mm-hmm. Central Michigan now, and he was talking about the playbook, Mike, and how, how it's easier for him at Central Michigan because the playbook at Michigan, he said, was so dense. And you really had input from three coaches. You had Harbaugh's plays, you had Drebno's, and, and at the time, Jed Fish. And now I would suspect Pep Hamilton brought in a lot of new new. Aspects to this offense. And, you know, I think that's a lot on the plate of a quarterback and and certainly the other position groups too. But, you know, for a quarterback to have to absorb that playbook, uh, I think that's also an advantage for Wilton that he's already had a year, two years of this. And now he's learning Pep Hamilton too. It's not just timing with the receivers, it's learning learning about Pep and interacting with Pep. And he said that that Rome trip went a long, long way toward developing that relationship. And, and that'll be important going forward for him, too.
0: Well, there's a lot of work to do in the summer. Of course, uh, the two months of uh, team drills are seven on sevens. A lot of bonding goes on there. And as you mentioned, Wilton really needs that time to work with his young receivers. So, you know, observations from spring football, when you look at the offense and defense, I've almost given up on doing those, Angelique, because you really, I mean, I don't know how you do that. You're, there's really not really a way to, uh, to come away from spring ball anymore and say, right. yeah, I have a pretty good idea where the offense is. And where the defense is, you don't know until they kick it off on September 2nd.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as the, sort of my approach with recruiting. Okay, when they get here, then I'll start really thinking about how good they're going to be. Because you really, you don't know. You've seen them in high school. And now you're right. With spring, you've seen, it's, you've seen bits and pieces of spring ball. And they, they're, they're trying things in spring ball. That's, that's what the purpose of that, this practice, in part. Is it to, you know, even explore a different position. You're moving a guy to a different position. And, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't get to practice as so much. He was, you know, had some lingering issue, injury thing. So you saw Trey Black, and he looked awfully good. But early indications are Donovan Peoples-Jones is really good. But we didn't really didn't get to see him that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the offensive line is still a work in progress. I know some people say, oh, it's, it's going to definitely improve. I think where it's improved, at least from my observation, Mike, is it. it these guys look the part. I mean, I, and I think back to 10, 12, you know, Michigan offensive lines of the past. These guys look like those guys physically. They they're big, they're athletic, they've got really good feet. But they're young. I mean, there's still there's going to be a lot of youth even though you got Mason Cole still there, you got Ben Bredesen. he was young last year. He's still young. He's a sophomore. But um, you know, I think it's going to take time. I think I do think people are going to have to be patient with this offensive line. But I think the athleticism is there and the talent is there. And I think it's going to eventually be, be a good offensive line. I, I don't know how good this year, but I think going forward, it's going to be a good offensive line. But you're right. I mean, you can't say a whole lot about the running backs. You, you didn't see a lot of Chris Evans, but I, I think from all accounts, he's, he's the guy. And, and Higman looks good. And Ty Isaac's got a different approach and a different attitude. He knows it's his last year. So we know all these things, but we don't know how they really will, will click on the field, and, and you're right, Mike. I mean, you got to wait until the Florida game and, and those early season games to see where this team is going, but I just think the talent is, is really, really high. It's just really young, and it's going to be a matter of how quickly they can adapt.
0: And When you look at the schedule, I know maybe a lot of fans haven't done that yet. Um, I, I tend to fall on the, uh, the pessimistic side until I see, you know mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. to play and see what we have, but, you know, when you open with Florida neutral site, People are saying, hey, we're already three-point favorites in that game. That's what Vegas says, (laughs) as if we care what Vegas says. Uh, Exactly. Because that is one good football team. And then you look farther down the road, you're going to Madison. You're going to Happy Valley, where they're already, if you like Vegas odds, they're 14-point favorites right now, Uh, they being Penn State. Uh, Then you have Ohio State and uh, Michigan State at home. This is a tough schedule for a veteran team. You plug in 18 new players uh i can't begin to guess where we might end up uh, come late november
1: i can't believe you left off my alma mater cincinnati when Oops. you're rattling off those tough teams come <laughs> on mike no i'm kidding i mean yes that's their their home opener but uh, yeah i don't see that one as a threat but um but they do have luke fickle who coached at mm-hmm, ohio state mm-hmm. who has a blueprint for how to play michigan just doesn't have the talent at, at cincinnati but You're right. I I mean, I hear everybody else saying, oh, this is a schedule that sets up well for them. (laughs) It's a Mm. tough schedule. I mean, for all the reasons you just said. And, you know, I would suspect the Penn State Whiteout game will be a night game. That is a really tough, tough place to play. Just like Iowa last year, tough, always a tough place to play. And, you know, these are all little factors that, you know, you you say them, but they really do play out. They tend to play out that way. And I agree with you. This schedule looks very daunting. And I mean, Air Force is going to be a tough game. And that's why Don Brown was Mm -hmm. practicing so much to prepare for Air Force. I mean, he'd spent the three practices in Rome and then one practice before the spring game focused on Air Force. And and I think everybody thought he was joking after the spring game. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be, we're going to, I'm focused on Air Force. He is. I mean, he was watching film on the flight to Rome. So, I think they'll be very prepared for these games, but again, it's, there's a lot of youth, but talented youth. And, and maybe, maybe they will click right away. I don't know, but I, I'm with you on this. I think it's a tough schedule and I think it's, it's going to be a really hard one to predict. And I, I know everybody likes to guess Hmm. and I don't, I don't like to say, Oh, it's going to be a nine one season. I just, you don't know. You don't know how injuries play a role. You don't know all these other factors. I would suspect Looking at the schedule, I think that they have a very strong shot to win eight, nine games, I think, just based on what I've seen. But, again, I haven't seen enough.
0: I had John Jansen on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying, well, I, I think it's going to take time, John. And he said, they don't have time, Mike. They have to improve in June and July, and the leadership on that team True. has to bring these young guys together. Because when they start camp in late July into August, they don't have time to work on a lot of the things he said when that with that schedule he said it is a tough schedule and that's the schedule we want at Michigan we want to Mm -hmm. play a tough schedule but he said they don't have time to get better in October and November they have to be good on September 2nd which to me is asking a lot but I suppose when you're in the third year of coach Jim Harbaugh's program uh, that is the expectation and John also added Ohio State did it last year so can we
1: that's right that's right. I mean, that's a really good point. And when they have 44 players who hadn't played a snap before mm-hmm. that season and mm-hmm. and going into that, I mean, that July, I mean, Urban was saying, I really like this team. This is a re- There's a lot of talent here. And that's an excellent point. I mean, it really is. Because, uh, you know, I'm not saying you've got to be there for two years to be developed. I mean, I think that these guys are coming in so much more advanced. And, and I remember talking to some of the players last year I means like like Ryan Glasgow saying these guys are already the freshmen coming in look like we looked when we were finishing up our sophomore years. Yeah. So physically they're more gifted I think and cuz they're playing football year round now it's not just at the college level it's the high school level and they're specializing and we can debate that whole thing about whether it's better to play different sports or to focus on one. I tend to be play a different sports person but um, but they are, they are definitely more physically, uh, I, I don't know, gifted, I guess is the right word, or they're just, they're just more physically sound coming into college now. And, um, you know, we were talking about leadership in Wilton, I, I think it'd be really, and I saw, I couldn't believe, I mean, Rashawn Gary is going into his sophomore year. So he's still technically a freshman. He is, he has taken that leadership role very seriously, Mike. I mean, I saw him pulling aside young guys, pulling aside Chase Winovich, older guy. and and pointing out some things and everybody's receptive. No one's resentful of of someone that young saying, Hey, you know what? I see this. You got to try this. And you saw it from Maurice Hurst too. So I think that they've got, we were talking about wilderness leadership. I think they've got some, some really strong leadership on the defensive side. Mike McCray too. They're going to need it in the secondary. They're going to need somebody who can really step up and be a leader back there too. But that core, that through that group of three, Hurst and Gary and and McCray, I think are very important. In terms of leadership on the defense, and and I think it's striking because Rashawn's so young, but he is he's an example of a guy who came in and is just advanced, you know, advanced physically and advanced mentally, and and I think that's the kind of guy that that Harbaugh's trying to bring in, and and you know, you mentioned Ohio State, I'm sure that's the kind of guy that you know they're they're killing it and recruiting, and the, those are the kind of guys they want at, at these schools.
0: Well, you are right about that, and of course, as we just mentioned, they have June and July to. Uh to keep on being leaders and bring these young guys along. So we'll, we'll see what happens. That's, uh, that's where I am right now. We'll wait and see what happens in September. But uh, speaking of September, Angelique, you and I have talked about how we do not like 3.30 kickoffs, at, le- <laughs> at, at least a steady diet, which it seemed like we got right. last year at home. I was uh, pleasantly surprised when the TV schedule came out last week that there were quite a few noon start games. Uh, the fact, though, that the kick times were announced in June, that surprised me because I'm used to getting my tickets and it says TBA. That's all I see
1: is TBA. Right. So
0: what's changed with the networks that the start times are being announced for a lot of the games this early?
1: Was it five or six games have already been announced? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that, is, that is a pretty good portion. and I, I really think with Penn State saying it's a whiteout, I know it's not always a night game, but I, I really think that one's going to be a night game. So in my mind, I've got that one set, too. But yeah, and I've got to tell you, when uh, I talked to my a friend of mine at ESPN and he said, hey, the uh, Florida game is going to be 3.30, that was one time I threw my arms up in the air. And I'm like, yes, because I did not want it to be a 7 or 8 o'clock game. So yeah. that, that one I was kind of happy about. But you're right, there are quite a few noon games and um, Cincinnati being one of them <laughs> and Indiana on the road. And I think Purdue is going to be a 3 or 4 o'clock game. But, yeah, I think talking to them – I was talking to one of the uh, the, the vice presidents of, of college football program at ESPN and with the Fox deal, you know, they wanted to make it clear that yes, Fox just is going to take Michigan Ohio state. That's, you know, they got their first pick and they were sorry to lose that game, but they're going to have a ton of really good matchups, including a lot of really big Michigan matchups. And, um, and they, they think that they're going to get the Michigan Michigan state game, but had no idea on time for that one yet. But I think that they want, now that he said, they got these games, they picked these games early, and now I think the window is is 10 to 14 days out from the other games. So I think that we're actually going to maybe see some of these game times picked a little earlier than we have in the past. And, and they were saying it's a very complex process, but they basically alternate and throw BTN in there too. I think that there's some games that are pretty obviously going to to the Big Ten Network that, that Fox and, and uh, ABC ESPN will pass on. But um, but it is. I, I mean, I think it's important to give fans a chance to plan. I, I mean, I think every, I think most people were thinking that that Florida game might be a night game, even though Alabama's playing late that day also, and now has that that primetime slot. But I, I mean, I wasn't sure. So it gives people a chance to plan. But I don't think I don't think they're looking out for the fans, Mike. But um, but I think it's a nice byproduct. But they need to set their schedules too. They need to start figuring out where they're going to be going. And and I hope this is a sign of the future that that we're going to start getting more of these earlier kick time or kick times released earlier. And I would also like earlier kick times.
0: So would I. And uh, I, one game that we don't have to worry about travel arrangements for ourselves or the opposition is the Michigan Michigan State game. Of course, mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. short bus ride from East Lansing this year. But recently, we've been uh, reading and hearing that there there's some thought. If not a night game this year, it's going to be very soon, and it's a less in control of the uh, the athletic directors and the administrations. To yes. when, when that happens, do you think we might see a Michigan Michigan State game this year in the big house at night?
1: Well, I mean, I asked Ward in uh, in Italy, and he, you know, he's like, "We'll see." I mean, he doesn't know either, or at least he wasn't tipping his his hand at all. But it's I have always wanted to see that game at night. I don't know why. I, I think. I'm not thinking about all the other stuff, the police, mm-hmm. how much, my, you know, they really have to increase the, the security of the state. But I think in terms of the actual rivalry, I think it'd be a great thing for this to this rivalry to be on, on television in prime time and, and for people to see how hard hitting it is and and um, how vicious. I mean, these are two rivals. You know, everybody's talking about how different michigan Ohio State is, and this one's extremely different. And uh, I think it'd be great television, but, I've, I've talked to Hollis about this before, Michigan State's AD, and um, and it, it you know it echoes Michigan's you know why they've been hesitant to do this. But he has said even with some of the directional schools who've come in to play Michigan State and East Lansing, he's walked around and he said so many of these people come in from Western or Central and they don't even go into the stadium. They are just outside partying and they're outside tailgating. That makes it you know so you've got the people in the stadium plus another however many thousands outside the stadium. And that makes it all really hard to secure and and to maintain. And I think that's why they've been hesitant. And, you know, I, I think everybody's talked about it, you know, going even into the night game with Notre Dame, the first one, what's it going to be like? And, um, you know, and what's the alcohol, you're going to have so much more time to to have that going on, have people drinking and, And that escalates situations in the stadium and outside. So I thought they had pretty good success with that, but everybody seems to think this will take on a new level. And um, I I, I tend to trust people a little bit more, Mike. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but I still would like to see that game at night. I, I just think it would be good for the rivalry. But I, I, you know, I think a lot of people would disagree with
0: that. I think it would be very good for the rivalry and it would be very good for the numbers, which is why the networks uh, mm-hmm. would would love to do that. I I know for Hollis and Ward-Manuel and the administrations, uh, public safety issues are something they talk about all the time. And then you have people saying, well, of course, you've had Notre Dame, you've had Penn State. Those are two different crowds in my mind. Uh, this yes, is a yes. whole different kind of thing. But I mean, you
1: have the the proximity too. So so many fans can come down, and it's you know that's what Hollis is saying. They can come down and not have a ticket and not care about going into the stadium. So you're just you're dealing with so many numbers. I mean, all these Penn State people aren't just going to come in and not go to the game. They're going to. And same with Notre Dame. I mean, maybe even some more from Notre Dame because it's drivable distance, but are um, closer than Penn State. But yeah, I think that's a big issue for them.
0: They don't have to make that announcement for a while. Mm-hmm. And- I think just because of the proximity of the two universities, they can can wait on that. But we'll see. Interesting proposal or a thought. The preseason magazine's on the shelf, of course, this month, Angelique, and the hype begins. We don't have much else to do in June and July, but... Can't
1: we debate the, uh, <laughs> the alternate uniform? There's well, something we could talk about. <laughs> well, and,
0: and it, isn't that supposed to be a Jim Harbaugh design, too?
1: Yeah, he helped out. I said, wait, did you help about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I, can't, I can't say. I know when the game is. I can't say it. I said... You're the head coach. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, it's a team effort. So I think they're going to let Nike uh, make this revelation, but. It's good. I think it's pretty fun to hear how people debate this, and some of them really hate the idea, and some of them really love it. So as long as it's not the stripe pattern on the shoulders, most people said they didn't oh, like yeah. that. But no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I'm like, hey, we could talk about uniforms. They're set for the next two months
0: too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad we're. You know, he's going to do that again, or uh, mm-hmm. the program is going to do that again. Uh, maybe not as much as we did uh, during the Brandon era, where we were rolling out some really interesting uniforms. I, I, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it, but. Uh, I'm sure with uh, Jim having any input, it's not going to be uh, that different. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to <laughs> and w- which game it is we're going to see that in. So for the players, as we mentioned, it's back to work right now. And for mm-hmm. us, uh, a little downtime, but the magazines will be out. And uh, this is the time of the year that drives me nuts because everyone's undefeated. and Right. Week by week by week as we get closer to Camp Camp. Uh, the hype begins. But let's enjoy the summer. And as always, <laughs> uh, Angelique, Michigan beat writer from uh, the Detroit News, Angelique Shingelis has been our guest. And always, you're so gracious with your time, Angelique. So I hope for you, you have a wonderful and relaxing summer. And the next time we chat, it's going to be time to tee it up.
1: Tee it up? Did you say tee it up for golf? Because that's what I plan to do now <laughs> the next few weeks. Yes. That and is exactly what I'm going to do. But well, yeah, you know, there's also camps going on at Michigan in the next, uh, next couple of weeks. So there's that, you know, like the, the aerial assault camp, the big man camp. Mm-hmm. So there's still stuff going on, but you're right. I mean, this is the time that everybody's sort of relaxing and waiting. But then I get those tweets, Mike, like I can't wait for the start of college football. I'm like, yeah, I can. I mean, I want to enjoy a few days of summer and then, and then I'll be by the end of July. I will be ready for it. But um, it's going to be really, I am really looking forward to seeing how this team develops and to see how this, the youth becomes they become veterans very quickly because I think we're going to see that I think we're going to see a lot of young players step up and have to step up very quickly and it'll be you know as always it's always exciting people say well how can you keep covering this team year after year it's different year after year and that's what I like about it Mike so can't wait for it but I can also wait for it
0: that's right I'm right there with you I I can't wait for the kickoff but. I do want my uh, two, two and a half months of uh, of summer to kick back. It will be here. We know it will be here before you know it. So,
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: again, I hope it's a wonderful summer for you, Angelique, and uh, we look forward to our next visit. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another show here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & brew. On Quick Hits today, June will be a busy month of satellite camp visits for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. Not even close to last summer's wild schedule, though. The staff will continue its tour throughout a 10-day period this month, which includes the Michigan-sponsored quarterback and big man camps. Michigan's 2018 recruiting class of 10 commits is ranked number 10 heading into the busy camping season, that according to 24-7 Sports. Three other Big Ten teams are in the top 10, Penn State sits at number two, Ohio State number three, and Nebraska is at number eight. Steve Lorenz from 24 7 Sports will be with us later this month for our June recruiting update. Thanks again to our guests this week Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelers from the Detroit News. Again, Steve Lorenz from 24 7 Sports will be with us on our next scheduled show on June 21st, and we'll catch up on what's happening with the class of 2018. We also hope to have a Michigan Man Extra for you this month, and we'll let you know via Twitter and Facebook when that is ready to air. Remember, our free show app is available from Google Play and the iTunes Store. You can now hear us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Wolverine Sports Radio. Please tell your friends about the show, and if you get us from iTunes, take a minute to rate or comment on the program. Thank you in advance. That will do it for today. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan.
1: Go Blue!